and the person who uh, is sitting behind you in the you know the fast travel pass office is clearly you know three kids in a trench coat um and their their name tag is (laughs) yeah uh their name tag is an adult um and they do the fucking bojack horseman you know uh vincent adult man shtick where they're just like uh business taxes um i love to eat vegetables even though my mom uh i mean i hate them Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a Phil Bucket. And this week, we grab our paintbrushes in Chicory, a Colorful Tale. Before we get wrecked by imposter syndrome, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Uh, you're something of an artiste. Is that, is that right? I think something of an artiste is like a very good way to put that. Yes. <laughs> How would you put it? Some, uh, I mean, something. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I already knew I was going through a transitional period in my life. Um, and this game, you know, really had me processing <laughs> some things. Um, you're a writer. How's that going? <laughs> Uh, I'm a writer in the sense that I have a lot of Google Docs. I don't want to claim that title until I, you know, feel like it. But, um, yeah, uh, so this game came out in, like, what, June of 2021? Um, and it popped up on some Game of the Year conversations. Um, and, you know, I, it came up on my radar because of those conversations. I was like, Layla's, Layla might like this game, I think. And um, because it, it basically... It is a, a, you know, it's a Zelda-like, you know, platformer in some parts, but mostly just like a puzzle-solving adventure game where your main verb is using a paintbrush to interact with the environment. And, you know, they talk a lot about art and, you know, legacy and expectations and what all that shit means. Um, And I was like, Layla will probably have some emotional response to this, which, um, would you say that's true? I spent the first... 30 minutes of gameplay just weeping a little bit. Um, Nothing particularly happens. You are a little dog. You name yourself um, a food. Aaron was cookies. I was bread. Uh, And then I was just anxious at first. And then I started wondering... uh, when the last time drawing brought me joy and then i just cried for a while um so that's mm-hmm. that's is that the answer you were looking for yeah i know we had feelings about it um for, for the plot summary um so like layla is saying yeah you are a cute little dog uh i named my dog cookies um and layla you named your dog bread <laughs> it asked for my favorite food i mean listen very valid um 
Uh, basically, you're a janitor for these at this tower, which is like the legendary wielders of the brush tower, um, which is where all these like very famous and powerful like artists that control the one brush that paints color into the world. Um, that's where they live and practice their their craft and whatever. And you're a janitor there. Uh, one day you see the magical, powerful brush on the ground. Uh, all the color has been drained out of the world. And you're like, ah, that's bad. But you pick up the brush. Um, you know, the person that currently is the wielder, Chicory, you know, is nowhere to be found. Uh, you go, you solve this crisis. There's a bunch of weird trees. And um, the thing that happened with me was that I walked into this tree and I was like, this is, wow, it's all dark. This is weird. And then like six glowing eyeballs appeared and scared the shit out of me. Um, and I was like, oh, oh my God, uh, it's going to be one of these games. Um, and, you know, then it was pretty, not 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 very intense after that, but it was fine. Um, and the story basically follows, you know, your, your dog, uh, cookies and bread, um, going throughout the world and figuring out, you know, why these weird, uh, evil trees are popping up. Um, you pretty much, you know, you, you meet Chicory's former mentor, Blackberry, who is like, you better give that brush back right away. You know, Chicory has to come in and resolve this. Um, you go to return the brush and Chicory's like, ah, actually you can keep it. I, I don't want the brush. Um. So you, you know, you're like, okay, I'm the next wielder. This is great. You continue to fight these corruptions, but like it doesn't kill the tree. The it's dark, you know, smaller trees continue to spread. Uh, the color isn't really coming back. You're, you're, you're able to paint it into the world, but it's not completely resolved. Um, finally, you get to one of these boss trees and you meet, you know, a shadow version of Chicory herself. Um, and she's just like, oh, well, you're a joke. And, you know, I'm just glad I got rid of the stupid brush. Um, you know, you're not actually, you don't actually have any talent. We're not friends. Um, you're just the janitor. Uh, and when you go back to confront Trickery and you're like, uh, that wasn't real, right? Trickery's like, leave me alone. Like, she does not deny it at all. And that's, like, pretty, I think it's very good. Uh, but also, it's, like, pretty brutal to experience. You're just like, all right, shit. Um, and then you, you, know, you deal with the emotional, uh, you know, re- consequences of that you go back and you know you talk to your family uh you you talk to people who you care about and you're like okay they're like you know chicory was wrong to say that but also you know something's going on with her uh eventually chickenry comes and apologizes to you and says hey uh, i'm sorry that those things came out you know it's not some stuff that i would have said it's just you know the manifestation of my doubts or whatever um, I'm going to train you to be the next wielder. You do a bunch of trials to become a cool wielder. Um, you get to be better friends with Chicory. Um, and in the end, you go and you fight the corruption at the very top of the wielder tower, which is like, you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty literal as far as meta- metaphors are concerned. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you lose. You're defeated by the darkness. It takes the brush back. Uh, and then you are just like, well, shit. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You go back and find Chicory and, you know, you all are like, well, you know, it looks like the world's ending. But because of the experiences you've had, uh, the ways that you've learned to appreciate yourself and others and, you know, what it means to be an artist, you're able to manifest a new brush. Uh, You go back in and fight the darkness. Chicory also is able to manifest a new brush and you defeat it and that's it. Hooray. You know, nothing complicated about that at all. No, not really. It was pretty straightforward. Um, but that's what makes it that's what made it really good um in terms of gameplay, you know? It, it didn't overcomplicate itself. Do we want to talk about characters? Yeah, let's get into it. Um how do you feel about um how how is your experience of being bread? I love bread. I would die for bread. <laughs> yes, I think it's it's very smart of them to be like you're you're a person who is 
like a fan of chicory right your your player character is somebody who is is always idolized chicory you know they ostensibly you know for whatever reason they, they wanted to work in the tower even if it was you know like, like a janitorial job i don't know if that's I, I think Bread's like whole motivation is like they didn't know what they want to do it in life. Um, so they're like, okay, I'll be a janitor, and you know, I'll at least I'll be able to work in the tower, and that'll be cool. Um, and that's not to denigrate people who have janitorial jobs, obviously, but like I think it's just a reflection of how your player character doesn't know how to feel, and they just kind of want to be close to people who seem important to them. Um, and like having them have the way the response to chicory, which is like, oh, I've idolized you for so long. And then once you meet them, you know, you get that, okay, never meet your, never meet your idols moment. Um, and also like, I, it, it didn't strike me as, as like, you know, cookies having any sort of art training. Did you get that? Like, cause I know her sister goes to the art school, but you know, d- did you get any of that sense? No, and I think that's why I went into a trance about, like, art bringing joy for a second there uh, before the summary, because there is no pretense. It's just like, oh, here's this tool. I want to make something. And um, I think, like, in terms of Chicory and the sister, also Clementine, you see that people who have, like, studied this and wanted this, like, there's a different... They kind of forget that instinct, um, which... It's true of a lot of people. But yeah, I, I didn't pick up on any, like, beyond maybe an elementary school art class, you know? It was just yeah. fun. Um, and I think that's what makes that character powerful and, you know, kind of nails in the message of, of the game. But yeah, you know, uh, they're just like kind of a, an everyday person that gets caught up in this this weird event that's way bigger than them and, you know, learns to help themselves and, you know, help other people. And, you know, pretty pretty solid you know, protagonist that is that is nice and kind and just wants to, to be good and we, we love them. Yes. Um Chicory? Chicory is a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> um Chicory is a rabbit. I don't know if we said that, but uh and like Chicory's whole story is that she's like, you know, like Layla said, wanted to be this, you know, great wielder for forever. She just knew it, right? She knew her purpose in life was to become the greatest painter, to become the wielder and, you know, uh, be the kind of person that that changes the world um and when she you know finally gets the brush she realizes that there's a lot more to that and actually a lot less of that you know there there is both more in that everybody will constantly d- demand things from you and you know comment on the way that you work in a very public way um, whether or not you are asking for that comment and also less in that there is less support, less structure. It's very lonely at the top, um, and that you know once you once you've achieved your goal, you know what you know why were you even trying to get here? Now now you know looking around at what Chicory's life has become, she's unsure. You know why why she even wanted to be the the brush wielder in the first place. Um, you know now now seeing that you know her her taking on the brush has caused this destruction. Um, you know and. and I think that the smartest thing that this game does, uh, as you point out in your notes, Layla, is makes Chicory have these flaws and makes her a complicated person that, like, lashes out at other people. Yeah, and I mean, you brought this up in your notes in, well, in the summary earlier, too, is just Chicory doesn't deny the, like, nasty things that Shadow Chicory says. Like, those are are clearly thoughts she's had, which 
hey, we're all people. We've thought some nasty fucking things. We're not proud of it. But it's, you know, it's the way you act and, and kind of combat that nasty little goblin instinct that matters, right? And for Chicory, she, like, really puts a visible effort to fight through her own corruption and to, you know, increasingly be there for Cookie's bread, the main character, um, which is really admirable. And you get to kind of see her come back on her feet. I thought the... the um, more touching moment was with her um when you go to one of the trials um i think it's the one of the canyon the one that she didn't finish yeah, with blackberry yeah. um and she's she admits that she's like i'm scared i didn't finish this trial myself this one's going to be tough for me um and asks for like support for the first time um so that was i thought that was a really nice moment you get to see chicory grow a lot um which is Really cool. It's really humanizing um, in a story where, like, her part in it is very much, you know, one of the messages is don't put people up on a pedestal because, you know, don't meet your heroes. You you, you don't know what's what's going on with them. Uh, speaking of Blackberry. Yeah, uh, Blackberry doesn't play a huge role in this, but um, we see her in a couple crucial moments. We, you know, we see her when she realizes that, you know, the main character didn't wasn't given the brush by chicory she just kind of took it and we get the sense that she is like very stern and you know no nonsense very you know demanding um you know she like has these like side comments of being like i don't understand you know why chicory would let this happen i just can't i just don't get her um you know it's her responsibility to fix this um you know and you know she comes across as very cold um which you know she is um but then like then one of the um one of the like fights you have, one of the boss fights, like back Blackberry is there and is like pretty like we get, you know, we get a shadow version of Blackberry, but we see, you know, the confrontation that, you know, Blackberry had with Chicory. Um, we see Chicory being like, Why well, can't believe you're not going to give this brush to me? Um, because, you know, Blackberry deemed that she'd failed the trial. Um and Blackberry, you know, you know, once Chicory runs away, you know, Blackberry says, I'm a monster and like turns into a little literal monster. Um, and so we get the sense that like, you know, that having that at the very end kind of shows what the game has been trying to reinforce, which is that, um, you know, the passing down the legacy of greatness or whatever, this brush, you know, a physical manifestation of expectations of, you know, an artist, um, it does things to people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause I mean, you know, there's been a ton of wielders and you meet, um, we have Clementine on this list. We might as well. Uh, cardamom? Clementine's um, your sister, right? Yeah. Or okay. cardamom. Yeah. 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 Cardamom. Um, sorry, they're all named. Yeah. Food. Yeah. You'll notice a theme that <laughs> you live in the, the world of picnic. It's, it's, it's a cute theme. It's adorable. But yeah, Cardamom is a, another former wielder, um, who you talked to a little bit more than I did, but he also carries a lot of like baggage with regards to having been a wielder yeah i think carmen i you know he, he again doesn't say a whole lot in this but like the the thing that stood out most to me was his bit where he was talking about the time between him realizing he no longer wanted to be the wielder and finding a person to pass the brush onto. and he was like that was the worst time because like he was stuck in between you know the expectations and duties of a wielder and also the fact that he like hated his life and, and also knew that he was going to be passing the brush onto someone else. And like, I, I thought that was a very, 
specific and distinct uh you know characterization because i'm sure uh, a lot of listeners understand what it's like to be like i don't want to do this anymore but i have to continue doing it yeah and if you don't you live a the blessed and beautiful life (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i wish i were you um who's next um your parents i think uh i don't i think they're just mom and dad yes um Put your your dad's a record. <laughs> yes, I want to talk about that because uh, there's a hint system in the game that your parents are introduced by like these phone booths that are everywhere, and you can call them and get hints. Um, I really like this hint system because your your mom shows up and she's like, okay, yeah, let me give you uh, you know uh, a generic but like not too. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a vague hint. It's like, here's what you need to do. You need to go to Blackberry. You need to find this next tree. You need to go to this town or whatever. Um, and then she's like, oh, it, you know, there's a hand that reaches out and he's like got his little fingers like twitching for the phone. And she's like, oh, your dad wants to talk. Um, you know, he gives the most detailed advice, like very clearly being like, this is going to be like a very specific hint, um, you know, like telling the player that directly. And she's like, D- should I put him on or, or do you feel like you don't need this hint? And most of the time, the first like, you know, couple hours, I was like, oh, I don't need it. But then I was like, oh, actually, I feel bad leaving my dad you know, off the hook. I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to him. I don't, I don't need this hint or whatever. Uh, smash cut to this raccoon. I was like, wait, I, <laughs> my dad's a raccoon. <laughs> um, very funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, your parents are, you know, they, they don't pay, play a huge part, but they're supportive and they're, they're kind and they, um, you get to hang out with them sometimes. Yeah. Um, I found out that dad was a raccoon because I made it all the way to, uh, potluck before I ever even took a phone call with him. Um, and he caught me outside of the donut shop that he owns, uh, which designing that donut was one of my favorite. <laughs> it's just design a super fancy donut that could not be physically possible um, and brought me a great deal of, of, of glee. Um, but he started talking to me and he was like, okay, I'll see you at home, kid. And I was like, what? Who no. are you? And I went to my parents' house, and I saw my mom and my raccoon dad. It's like, what? What? Listen, uh, we're we're all fans of, you know, multiracial, biracial characters here. Um, It is very funny to me that you, your mom, and your sister are all, like, dogs, golden retrievers, and your dad's a raccoon. I was like, I guess... I mean, adoptive fan rings are a thing, but, like, it's very rare that the dad is adopted. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just a stepdad. Um, I don't know, but I love that raccoon. I think he's very funny, and his little hand animation on the phone call is <laughs> it's good. Um, there's also, uh, you you just mentioned uh, your sister, Clementine. I love Clementine. Um, talking to her was always really comfortable or, or comforting. And I liked having some of the, like my favorite moments in games. Period are just like hanging out um, and going to get a slice with uh, Clementine and going to get a uh, donut with Chicory were like some of my favorite moments in the game. Especially because Clementine was like, "Hey, buddy, are you like okay?" <laughs> and and you know the main character is like, you know making it through mm-hmm. and clementine is like you don't have to say yes to everyone is that what's happening are people just coming up to you and asking you for things is and is that why you're so stressed and i was like yes in real life <laughs> absolutely yes people just come up and ask me for things and i i feel compelled to say yes and that is why i'm so stressed clementine i don't need this from a 2d golden retriever right now <laughs> um but she's she's a delight and uh um 
I always like uh, running into her. Yeah, uh, I think Clementine is kind of like the platonic ideal of what this game wants an artist to be, right? You know, she she is one of those people who attends school at the academy and is like very, um, you know, she's interested in art. She likes art, but she's also not like when you tell her that, that you know, you're the wielder, she's she congratulates you. She's proud of you. But like she doesn't like she's not jealous. She doesn't like care. You know, she's only concerned about your, your health and safety, um, which is an interesting foil to her friend, Radish, who, if you, um, took classes at, you know, the, the, the art Academy, her, her friend is extremely jealous. And it's just like, wow, this is the new wielder. And like, is, is very giving you a lot of side eye. Um, and, and I think that's an interesting pairing and it shows that like your sister is very much like, the kind of person, uh, you know, that you would hope that, you know, not only a family member, but like any other person who you are close to in a creative field to be like, yeah, uh, creating is great. It's important. Um, and also it shouldn't be everything and you should feel completely 100% comfortable being like, I don't want to do this thing for you. Yeah. And the thing with Radish is, is interesting too, because especially in like creative fields, um, but I mean, in, in most things you get told, that, you know, you work hard enough, you put the time in, you put the hours in, you'll, like, get wherever you want to be. Um, and, like, I understand, you understand uh, uh, Radish's frustration with the fact that she is putting the work in and she wanted to be the wielder. And then someone else just f- happens to be at the right place at the right time and, like, falls into the opportunity. So you kind of understand the resentment, but the way she handles it is so messy um, that it's just... Um, you know, you, you want her to maybe be a little, to maybe, maybe, maybe evaluate that for herself, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe ask herself I mean, some questions. The thing is that, like, that's me, though. Like, I 100% get the instinct to be like, I've worked very, very hard, you know, especially when you come from, like, an honor student bubble, and it's just like, I did everything right, and I still haven't been given my A, and I don't understand why. <laughs> Yeah, the honor student bubble, I think, is is one of the single most uh, insidious causes of, like, mental health issues in people our age. Because, mm-hmm. man, I we've been out of high school for 10 years almost. 10 years for you, yeah, and yeah. gonna be 10 years for me. Yeah, 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 because I'm a year, you, yeah, I'm a year ahead. And uh, still untangling some of those webs 10 mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. It's still still haunted by literally uh, the some first things. like creative thing I ever wor- wrote was about um, somebody who graduated as a valedictorian and then was like, "Well, that doesn't that didn't mean anything. What what do I do with my life now?" Um, that was the first <laughs> novella I ever wrote. Um, so yeah, still <laughs> now I didn't write it that long ago either. So still working through that. I think. Yeah, I think I think we'll be unpacking that damage for a very long time. <laughs> Um, uh, I think we're on the, the notable, other notable characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's start with Peppermint, uh, I think, and we'll ease into Eucalyptus. Um, but like, yeah, uh, so Peppermint is basically just like this little bird who follows you around. And like, when you start the game, you get the opportunity to design a t-shirt, like a custom tee. Um, and like Peppermint, this little what bird. What did you like, draw? It, I just drew a star with some lines on it. Uh, cause I was like, you know, whatever, what'd you draw? Um, I did like a little, like a starry night type and a couple of Aww. stars. It's cute. Cute. Um, I think it's very funny that we both went for stars. Um, We're on brand. Like, 
Yeah, uh, but Peppermint, like, wears that shirt everywhere and, like, basically follows you to, like, all the towns. And it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's you know, your name. I can't believe that you're here. Um, this is so cool. You know, I, I, you know, I wore a shirt. And, like, later on when you, as a, as a wielder, you get to make your own self-portrait and that's fun. But Peppermint will come up to you and it's like, hey, I, I did my own take on your self-portrait. And I loved that a bit. It's like, oh, my God, this is so perfect. Like, it, it is an encapsulation of, like, how you know you you as somebody who is like doesn't feel like they've earned their place you know being validated by somebody who you are like a very not a very long time ago were um it's it's very cute and like you get the opportunity to like make a comment about it and like if you don't say like oh i love this so much you're a fucking monster <laughs> um but like yeah i love peppermint i'm so excited for you to publish something um that goes out and for you to get your first piece of fan art um yeah no i'll like tear my shirt off and run screaming (laughs) around the apartment like one day one day uh fingers crossed uh but yeah peppermint's great um i just wanted to bring up beans because beans just like very funny to me so you can collect little cats uh around the world and you can trade them in for like furniture beans runs the adoption zone because like all you know all these kids got separated from their families and beans is just trying to uh reunite them um and it's very funny because beans is just like i have so much stuff in my house but now i'm just managing all these stupid kids (laughs) and uh i just thought it was very cute to see this haggard old um cat just being like trying to corral all these kittens well, Beans is funny because, you know, you, you meet her for the first time and she's just like, hey, my kids are lost. Can you, like, if you see them, can you just bring them back? And then you come back to, to luncheon and Beans is like, hey, I did a head count. These are not all my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I had way fewer kids than this. <laughs> I got more kids than I think I bargained for. But what am I supposed to do? Put them outside again? No. <laughs> I'm going to wait here for their parents. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's so funny because i'd be like honest that's what i would do i would (laughs) i would just end up with too many kittens in my house Uh, um which one was prunus so a very minor character but a very funny for me um prunus is the bug ambassador when you go down to the bug (gasps) zone um i loved prunus because like uh, basically, Prunus is, like, you know, trying to translate all, all the bug language for you, and, like, uh, as much as I hated the bug zone because I have a terrible bug fear, um, Prunus made it made it worth it because, like, Prunus was just like, uh, you know, this is... I, I kind of felt useless as the bug ambassador because you're literally the first non-bug person uh, to ever come out here, um, and, like... There's, there's some very, like, because when there, you talk to the NPCs before Prunus translates for you, they just, like, you know, spit out a bunch of symbols. Um, but once Prunus is given, you know, the duty of, like, translating for you, like, you know, all the bug people are very friendly and they're just like, oh, you know, uh, well, actually, they're a little bit racist to you sometimes, which is weird. But, um, like, there's one point where, you know, Prunus is just like, oh, they're saying... They're talking about how excited I was to become the bug ambassador and how fascinated I was with um, upside culture and oh oh they're tell I can't I'm too in- I I'm not gonna translate that and I'm just like thank you Prunus I love you. Did you once you got Prunus because Prunus starts living on your head after um you you go to feast um did you go visit the meditating spider in the woods? 
No, I did not see this. So there's a cave in the woods that I went into. And before you get Prunus, you like try to talk to the spider that's in there. But like, you can't understand her. She's peace bug. Um, and then once you get Prunus, the first thing I did, the moment I hit the surface again, was I ran to the woods to that cave. I was like, what is the spider doing? What does, does she have something? Can I exchange trash? Um, and she's just like, hey, I just come here to meditate. So if you want to come chill with me sometimes, come <laughs> meditate with me. I was like, oh, that's so nice. That's nice. A lot of opportunities for you to just, like, sit, float, enjoy the scenery in this game. It's delightful. Yeah, this game is, like, not... Like, there are definitely parts where I got frustrated and I definitely, you know, used the IGN guide to get me through it. But, like, there are a lot of, like, very fun, quiet moments. And this game is not punishing in the way that you might expect from other games. Like, there is a moment where you can um, try to get a fast travel pass. um, And the person who uh, is sitting behind you in the you know the fast travel pass office is clearly you know three kids in a trench coat um and their their name tag is (laughs) yeah uh their name tag is an adult um and they do the fucking bojack horseman you know uh vincent adult man shtick where they're just like uh business taxes um i love to eat vegetables even though my mom uh i mean i hate them uh and it's just like <laughs> all right and they're like hey can we have your fast travel pass and i was like uh i guess and then they took it and ran and i was like well fuck i guess i have to go track them down um and i spent like the next mm, five hours of the game without a fast travel pass and i was like this, and then i finally found the, them and i was like hey give me my fast travel pass back and the game wouldn't let me and i was like this is fucking horse shit um and then i went back and like it turns out i could have just turned around and talked to the guy at the desk and he would have been like uh did you just give that fast travel pass to those kids that's illegal you know that right eh, i don't give a shit do you want another one <laughs> and i was just like oh my god <laughs> yeah and the fast travel pass sequence is cute too because you get to like pose yourself and get dressed up and 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 all that stuff which um was uh delightful to me uh i saw a couple of your screenshots uh <laughs> of cookies running around with with her shades looking, mm-hmm. looking like a cool skater girl yeah, yeah, I I did the um the you know match the outfits. There's a guy who will give you cool sunglasses if you bring him specific outfits. And I just was like, yeah, I'm gonna get the ladder glasses for sure. I wore a big mushroom hat most of the time. <laughs> it's a big old fungus. It's extremely good. Um, so I, we've backed ourselves into eucalyptus and parsley. Yeah. Okay. There is one uh sequence in this game that like basically fucking punched me in the gut out of nowhere. So you're just like exploring and you see this um you know you see this koala and he's like kind of sitting and looking at the river and looking kind of sad. So you go up and talk to him and he's like, "Yeah, um, my friend passed away and I've just been feeling kind of sad and I miss them. And you know, if you see any flowers, could you bring them there?" And I was like, "Oh." okay and like i had flowers from you know buying selling selling my trash and so i planted them and you know eucalyptus was like oh my god i'm you know so moved like they literally clasped their hands to their mouth um and they're just like i can't i can't even speak i'm i'm so moved by this and i was just like holding back tears like hey chicory i didn't come to this game for this yeah this happened to me um I think within 10 minutes of me trading in a bunch of my trash for flowers when I was uh, running around dinner for a while. Um, And I came down 
and you know uh eucalyptus was hanging out, out down there and i had the same response it was just the biggest gut punch in the world and i just i had just bought all these flowers so i was like yeah take them fucking i i there's not a lot of room in front of my house here take take it please stop crying i'm, I'm so sad right now mm-hmm. um which was a great contrast to the um the rooftop party sequence did you do that um yeah i didn't i didn't go back to it but i did was just like oh yeah i bought a bunch of um you know like no that was a different one i yeah i just had some of the beach party stuff that i set up and he was like very very excited about um how did that play out for you i had the camping set from beans um because i had only wanted it for like a couple of items for my house um, so I had like a tent and a bunch of stuff and I just like threw mm. it all around and, and colored everything in. Cause at that point I had the fill bucket and I was just filling everything colors. I was like, mm-hmm, hell mm-hmm. yeah. It was sky is the color. Yeah. Everything's in color now. And, uh, he seemed so hype and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that my spare furniture could be of assistance to you. Now there is one more furniture sequence. Did you do the murder mystery? <laughs> I was, uh, so I did, I started it, but then I was looking at the clock and I had to finish the game so we could record this program. Um, but I did fill the presidential suite with a bunch of furniture. <laughs> okay, I did that too, and I'd used all the furniture from, um, the bug zone, so it's just, like, mushrooms and <laughs> logs and shit up there. there's mushroom posters all over mine, too. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, put the worm posters up there. It's, Fucking presidential suite. Um, fun, to, fun fact about the murder mystery. Oh, no. Um, so if you collect all the clues, you, there's one person who has, like, you know, a lot of, like, evidence smeared all over their cave, um, and there's, like, chests in his room, and he, he when you ask him about his hobbies, he says, my hobbies are stealing and video games. <laughs> uh, and, and then when you go to solve it, it was like, well, it's clearly that guy. Um, and he's like, no, actually, it wasn't me. And we're like, really? And then the person who is, like, the, the concierge at the, the restaurant it like breaks out and admits that they were they they spilled some stuff on it and they were trying to wash out all the furniture in the river and then they just got it all wet and they had to throw it out <laughs> that's how, very funny that's how i'm gonna start introducing myself when people are like oh layla uh you know what do you like to do i'll be like stealing in video games <laughs> and i'm all out of video games because <laughs> <laughs> that is um if you've ever heard me talk about my scam sona sonia that is true mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so how did we feel about, you know, I guess I wanted to talk about the ways in which Chicory, like, mechanically reinforced its themes. Um, so, like, the main verb you have here is is painting, right? Um, and, you know, I'm going to be borrowing from um, both Maddie Myers of Polygon and um, Rebecca Valentine of IGN. Um, both of their reviews, um, but like, basically they, they brought up the point that like, you cannot color in the whole world. Um, it's just too big. Like you, you could probably, um, but it would take like, you know, hours and hours, even with the paint bucket. Um, and like, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's very interesting to, to do a game where it's, you know, present, present this, these kind of tools to you and then, you know try to make you think about what it's like to be a creative and like, you know, demand, you know, be in a position where your excellence is demanded of you and also, you know, encourage you to not, you know, go the extra mile. But also like, I felt weird about how there were achievements in this game. Yeah. So I think, um, I'm a really big fan of games that, um, I think I've said this before that let you kind of get as 
much involvement in the mechanics as you want in that moment. So um, I think for in terms of like, use you know, the main verb being painting, you don't have to spend, you know, you can, you have the option of, of slowing down and maybe decorating one of the screens to some extent, but like, you don't have to, you can just kind of fill bucket your way through it. You don't even have to touch it most of the time, unless there's like something that you have to color in so that you kind of like mechanically progress through a puzzle, like the dot puzzles. Um, but for me personally, like, uh, I just mostly did a couple of rounds of fill bucket on most screens just to, to have a little bit of color. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed being able to, like, especially during dialogue scenes, you can still draw while the other characters are talking, which for a person with more than likely ADHD, like me, who hates sitting still during dialogue scenes, being able to, like, gently scribble was really, really nice. And so I ended up with a map where, like, the places where I took the most time and, like, got the most color were the places that I enjoyed being the most. Um, which I think is really central to, like, you know, supporting the fact that the main goal of this game is to paint. Yeah, um, I, I definitely like the ways in which Chicory does give you, you know, the option to be like, yeah, I'm not going to engage with, you know, this as a coloring book, um... But, but also does encourage you to just, like, whatever you find most interesting, that's where you can spend your time. Um, I think you found, you made a very interesting point about, you know, when there's a point where you and Chicory draw each other in a self-portrait. Um, and I was hoping you could talk about the point you made, which is, like, you, the tools that you have are not equivalent to Chicory's. Yeah, Chicory has, like, volume in her painting, you know? She has, like, opacity and brush pressure like these things are not available to you you're like ms painting your way with a mouse <laughs> drawing mm -hmm. chicory um but you draw her first so there's no expectation of like having to match something um and then you know she gives you a drawing of you that is like much more advanced than the game will even let you do which in a video game i think is interesting in and of itself because so many rpgs especially are caught up with um making player progression feel convincing feeling like you as the player are like your skill is increasing in a way that like even if you're not getting any better at the game yourself, like your character's um, upgrades make you feel that way and give you that sense of accomplishment. Chicory doesn't even try to do that. The more one of the other interesting things about that sequence that um, I made a note of on your notes was when you were fighting Chicory. Chicory's pain was pink. What did you say your favorite color was? Blue. I said my favorite color was pink, and her pain when when she's fighting was blue i think that chicory is will pick whatever the inverse of the color wheel is of whatever you say in that moment that's cool yes i think that's very very neat and i think that um there's another i think blackberry or maybe maybe cardamom somebody else um i think it moves over um to a compliment on the color wheel for their thing um, so it's just really cool. I thought it was a really, really nice touch to like have it be the inverse of whatever you said. Yeah, I mean the the art direction in this game is of of course very impressive. I mean, besides the fact that all the animals are very cute and you know 
look like they would all live in the same world together um the depending on the like scene or screen you're in your color palette changes from the four colors you have available to you um and like it I just, as somebody who has zero knowledge about art and like, I just like had the paint bucket and I was like, okay, I have four options and they're all going to be roughly look good together. I really appreciated that. And for a person who does have art knowledge, like it took a lot of the pressure off of making it look quote unquote good. Like I still caught myself a lot of the times, like trying to get something to look balanced, but um, I don't know. I felt a lot more at ease scribbling at the end of um, the journey and just like having a little bit of fun um poking some trees to shake a kitten out of it <laughs> uh yeah but you know y- as you say you do have a lot of art knowledge layla and and the point that you wanted to bring up here is like because of the art knowledge you know h- how do you feel that like that knowledge you know pressures gives you pre- i mean you were talking about it just now you had a lot of pressure in in there would would have been pressure if you had a greater palette to make everything look appropriate um and like i'm wondering how you felt about the way that this game you know talks about the outside pressure of you know being good at something versus the internal sense of like what you owe to everyone else slash yourself yeah um I mean, like, yeah, this game definitely gave me, like, I said earlier in the podcast, like, anxiety in the beginning. Like, blank canvas anxiety of just, like, staring at something incomplete. Um, but, yeah, I think that the outside pressure thing is, is like, a really obvious um, thing at the core of this game, which is, like, you know, everyone you talk to has a fucking opinion about what you're doing and how they would do it. Uh, I really liked Pickles, the fox, because um, he, I don't know if he, he's in the corner of luncheon. And, uh, um, he's fun to talk to because he doesn't take anything seriously and he asks to use the brush for a second, um, and he draws <laughs> his own face in the grass when you give it to him. And then he's like, yeah, I see, I see how you're doing. I would do it differently, but, like, lol, whatever, have fun. And, um, like, characters like that for me were the most fun to talk to. Um, but I think the more interesting thing it gets at, like you said, was, was the, the internal pressure, especially as seen through chicory and as seen through cookie slash bread, um, where like the better you get at a thing, the more you feel like you owe everyone else a piece of your hard work, um, which I think goes beyond art and dare I say, to return to one of our very common threads here on this podcast as two biracial children of immigrants, um, you know, just uh, as you get older and as you get better at being an adult, just having other people, not only other people leverage responsibility upon yourself, but having an internal sense of constant guilt that forces you to say yes all the time. Would you, would you agree with that assessment that those two feelings are alike? Yeah, I mean, they do seem to come up a lot for some reason. A reason um, unknown I, to both of us. But I am wondering, um, you know, if, if there is something, because, you know, the end of Chicory, you know, the brush is destroyed. Um, you know, there there is something of, of a metaphor about, like, destroying the institution of of you know the the wielder and you know helping everybody grow their own brushes etc uh i'm wondering if you know 
the the things that chicory is trying to get across the the ways in which it's saying you know we should try to get away from you know establishments and auteurs and you know try to define what art is for each individual person i mean do you feel like there is a level because of your background because of your experience in the industry do you, do you feel like the, you know that those institutions are you know still still standing or or do you feel like you know uh, that space is really in the space where chicory is uh and it has moved on from these these weird notions that like you know of, of perfection of you know the of artists being only one thing and and having to be you know perfect for everyone and also you know for themselves yeah i don't know i think i have i'd have trouble answering that only because like even having this conversation like i am just sitting here like presently wrangling my imposter syndrome like into place because i i don't feel like even having had you know multiple years education a degree and a couple of years working professionally in the field, I say a couple, five if you count my freelance, um, I still don't feel comfortable answering on a professional level. You know, like I still don't feel like an artist. And so I think that there is a lot of desire for like that sort of decentralizing and trying to redefine what the craft like means for every individual. But like, I, I don't know whether or not that, how deep that conversation is going, you can't have it in isolation in terms of like the real world. You know, you can't have it just on its own. You have to talk about every force of negative, like evil that is currently affecting everything else, you know, colonialism, capitalism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do want to know, there's a very difficult conversation you have to have with Chicory right before you go fight the evil at the top of the tower, um, where Chicory first suggests destroying the brush. Um, how did that go for you? So I was a little bit frustrated by that because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, see that the brush was going to, you know, come back. Right, I, I didn't call that plot point. So I tried to do everything in my power to not destroy the brush until I ran out of options. And I was like, ah, well, I guess we're destroying the brush then, which I was a little bit disappointed by. I found that conversation frustrating too because it puts you in a position of defending the institution because you have um, basically, you know, you have the opportunity to ask the question like, okay, but if, if the brush is destroyed, does all color in the world go away? And chicory's like yeah probably eventually but isn't it better to be safe than to live in a world full of color and in that moment you know you have to ask yourself like what amount of risk is worth like art yeah and i mean that's that is a big question one that is constantly you know, uh, undergirding conversations about discourse. I mean, fucking the boyfriend dungeon convo was not that long ago. <laughs> like, you know, we are we are always talking about you know what you know. This is this is where we talk about you know content warnings and you know ratings for for movies and like you know I, there's no clear cut answer really besides just like you should let people know what they're getting into probably. Yeah. Um, and you know it, it is very interesting framing to be like you know, to make you, I mean, I think that's also, you know, setting narrative stakes, like, oh, you know, if you destroy the brush, the world will have not, will not have color anymore. Um, you know, setting that audience expectation that like, you're, you're going to be making a very drastic and, and final choice in the world. Um, 
but yeah i mean it, it is a weird way to be like hey this terrible evil thing you have to defend it now yeah and i mean like you write uh, a lot of stories that tackle some some topics that are that are i'll say tricky right like colonialism etc um i'm working on a story about mental illness you know uh, uh, do you think that Chicory has something to say about holding creators and artists to an impossible standard in terms of, like, even having the ability to make mistakes? I mean, I think it is definitely coming down in favor of artists. I mean, I think just because of, like, the ways in which the NPCs that are critical of you, you know, they aren't critical in a way with where they are, like, misinterpreting your art because it isn't really that sort of game. Or, like, you know, the the citizens of Picnic aren't, you know, also, like, bad faith actors. Like, everybody in Picnic is, is completely sincere in whatever criticism they have of you, right? And, and unfortunately, that's not the world we live in, right? There's not somebody, you know, there's not, like, a, a mean walrus who's just like, hey, um, I'm gonna make fun of all of uh, Brad's art because that way it'll get me a thousand Twitter followers every time I tweet. Like, you know, unfortunately, the, the conversations we have are, are definitely complicated by, by media, uh, and the ways in which we uh, have these conversations. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think the things that, that Chicory um, is saying uh, are, are very much like, yeah, people do hold artists to a very high standard. You should not put anybody on a pedestal. And like, we should be pretty forgiving of people who try very, very hard to to, to accomplish something and are you know never completely satisfied, uh, either because their work is not received well or because they personally do not feel like it, it was enough. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment for everyone, except J.J. Abrams. I'll get over that feeling in about a month, but for right now, January 2022, I'm still mad at that man. <laughs> listen, we could we could punch up at Mr. Abrams and Mr. Cameron. Uh, they they we listen when Avatar two, when Avatar two comes back, we gonna be putting the those um critic gloves back on. This is a podcast sure. that picks sides. We are pro Hugh Jackman. We are anti James Cameron and JJ Abrams. <laughs> Boise, listen know. i would rather have hugh jackman in my if we, i was going to have a fight between if if i had to choose between those three people and it, the one person i chose would have to help me fight the other two people i would pick hugh jackman 100 percent of the time <laughs> i would also pick hugh jackman i uh, I, oh. I could fight jj abrams <laughs> i'm five seven and like 150 pounds and like i could probably fight jj abrams because i think he's probably about the same physically <laughs> as me I, yeah, he's I a big like, nerd i feel like i could squat jj abrams and if i'm ever given the opportunity <laughs> i fucking will um <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first mortified will fight jj abrams <laughs> unless he wants to pay us vast amounts of money in which in case, case yeah, I we take all back. that shit um yeah. <laughs> Uh, where, where, where are we? <laughs> I was just, I was wondering, you know, uh, for our marketing minute, you know, I, I think, you know, listeners should call in. Uh, our hotline is 775-573-8882. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, if you could pitch an extremely metaphorical game about your field of work, what that might look like. I mean, chicory is a little bit like that for you because of your work in art but i think more as you transition into a production role i'm wondering what you think that might look like um 
and I'll give you a moment to consider that while I talk about the um, STD uh, <laughs> mitigation video game uh, that I would like to to watch, which I um, I think it's very tricky, right? Because you don't want to be. I think it. I don't know if it's a visual novel. I, I hate to always fall back on visual novels, but like I do think there is something that's just like you're trying to help people that sometimes really appreciate it, but like you're basically always giving bad news. Like it might it might be something like where you are up the person who goes to people's homes after their service member partner has been killed. Um <laughs> And like dealing with that i don't know if that is uh that might be a very bad analog for what it's like to do std work but um i, I do i do think the mechanics of it will, were, would be very much like you're you're doing an important service that also nobody likes it when you do um and i wonder if if there'd be an interesting way to represent that mechanically um like i don't know if it's um yeah, I just I don't want I don't want to say anything because like there are so many f- STD work is already so stigmatized. I don't want to be like, oh, it's like you know cleaning up like a, a car because that's like oh because everybody with STDs are dirty and it's like that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, it's it's a very it's already such a complicated thing and it's like maybe there shouldn't be an STD mitigation video game, but that's what I was thinking when I was thinking about this. But um. Do you have any ideas for an extremely metaphorical game about your field? You know, I have one, but unfortunately it's no longer possible um, because the Kellogg's company has betrayed us. Um, But, you know, had they not, I would offer myself um, as a branded Keebler Elf cookie production game um, that is about project management in the sense of like, again, it's like necessary work that nobody likes when you do. Nobody likes to be told that they can't do something or that they need to do something faster and maybe not to the level of perfection they want to do it. And I think um, mechanically the way it could be possibly satisfying was to start maybe as a project management game where you have to like prioritize a bunch of tasks and then slowly you add the human element of like getting to know your coworkers, and then maybe that person who's slacking has something going off. Maybe that elf has lost his hat and he can't make cookies without the hat. Um, and the reason it's branded is because um, I want money. I mean, yeah, no. Again, mortified, one hundred percent open for basically any. We'll we'll take anyone's money. Maybe not. I, I guess probably some not. Some limits. Yeah, like probably not like. Um, Raytheon, yeah, probably Northrop not any. Grumman, don't. <laughs> probably not any NFT people, but oh no, uh, fuck! This is a fuck NFTs program, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're only slightly terrible, like listen, if Audible wants to give us give us them Audible checks, we'll we'll sell out for that, one hundred percent. One thou. Um, but yes, I mean, like it's a tricky question. Uh, you know, I'm being fairly facetious. Um, but, uh, it's hard to come up with, I think the thing that makes chicory so special is that the feeling of, like, pressure and having people critique your work all the time and, and being kind of open to this, um, you know, the pressure of, like, legacy and just the way that the main character is handled and, like, the, the sort of uh atmosphere of the game is so moldable to like different experiences that it's it's um even though it's about painting it 
could be applied to like different fields, different things, different emotions. Um, and when I th- when I, I think about um, why I like project management and um, why I like to do it, it's really hard for me to think of a game that's like, hey, um, if you spend 30 minutes making this Excel file really, really pretty, it'll make someone's life a lot easier. I don't know how to translate that into something fun because the things I find fun aren't fun for people. <laughs> Nobody likes listen, charts. Listen, I guarantee, listen, there is definitely a subset of people that would love to do an Excel-based video game. So uh, don't let your dreams stay dreams is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's my niche. It's charts, people. Um, yeah, cool. You got anything? Any other thoughts? Um, No, I mean, I just, it's a good game. Um, it's a great game. Yeah, you should you should check it out. Yeah, paint, paint, go paint your world, and then tweet your gifts of your maps at us. I want to see them. They're cute. They are cute. Uh, Layla, when we are not grappling with imposter syndrome, uh, where can people find us on the internet? At L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and I guess again, Instagram. Um, I am currently working on my webcomic. Yay! It's moving along. It's in production. Um, so watch out for that. What about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about health policy and tabletop RPGs. Uh, you can listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys. Uh, depending on how much it snows in Virginia, we will either be um, doing an episode on the blind side or uh, a special ep- uh, episode with a special guest, uh, which you would which mortified listeners should tune in for. Um, so we'll we'll figure that out tomorrow, I guess. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Uh, Layla, um, as we are uh, you know, putting our easels away, um, saying goodbye to Chicory, what should we leave our listeners with to ponder over the week? Uh, some wisdom from the temple of wielders which is to say we alter our perspective in search of butts (laughs) we'll see you all next week